here, but uh, um, I'm happy to be here. And uh, the last couple of days, we've been in Muskegon. We have a, a sister church up there in Muskegon that um, it's been fun to watch them grow and um, the pastors. I actually performed their wedding, and so that was great. And they call me pastor. Uh, I'm their pastor, and, and they just built a new building. And we, we dedicated it, uh, we being uh, Dan and Gwen Slade and Kathy and I went up there and had a service uh, Friday night and Saturday to dedicate their building. And it's a great facility. It's a great church. Uh, and it's great to have uh, a, a, an association of churches. You know, it's just not us, but they're uh, really we are part of a, a group of churches that that span the globe. Um, uh, over almost 11,000 churches now, uh, churches all over the world. And, and this man here and his wife, Dan, are the head of that organization. And he's Canadian. We won't hold that against them. Uh, because he grew up, as I understand, in New York City. And Pennsylvania. Well, by golly, uh, that's practically the Midwest. <laughs> but uh, is, uh, and then spent uh, 12 years uh, raising a family in Ukraine, which is part of the former Soviet Union. I had the blessing of actually traveling there uh, in Ukraine and seeing the work many years ago, about 10 years ago. Uh, but Dan travels the world, just got back from 10 days in Burma and uh, several days in Thailand just last week, not even a week ago, uh, and um, uh, it's a great blessing to have him come and share the word. Dan, would you come up and just share your heart? Give him a hand, William. Thank you, Cameron, and good morning, everybody. It is great to be here. How many remembered the clocks? Did you do your clocks? All right. You must have, because you're here on time. So... Anyways, it is, it is really um, a privilege to be here uh, with you folks, and, and frankly, if I may say so, with Cameron and Kathy, because, uh, and we just enjoyed spending the weekend with them as well as Sam and Emily up in uh, Muskegon, um, but I just want to just publicly say thank you to Cameron and Kathy for all the, the effort and, and the vision and the, um, the work that they're putting into Partners in Harvest as a network. And uh, some of you may not be aware or know um, that much about Partners. We're, we're a church network that was birthed out of the Toronto Revival. Uh, we, the Revival started actually in 1994, as most of you know. Uh, the network started in March of 1996. And since then, as Cameron has already indicated, there's just been exponential growth. And it's really not my fault or... Uh, <laughs> You know, most of it has been, you know, John and just the presence of God that has been um, carried by various people uh, around the world. And one of the key people of that, two of the key people, uh, whether you know this or not, are Cameron and Kathy Wright. And uh, they, I, I, they have strate- strategic um, insight into what Partners is all about and what needs to happen in a network. And what we are as a network, just to let you know, we're not like a top-down, one-man organization. We really are like a family. And it's people who take the, the vision and say, you know, this is God. I'm part of it. And uh, this needs to spread around the world. And Cameron and, and it's really volunteerism. Uh, you know, we have these old, what Cameron mentioned, 11,000 churches. That there's like two full-time workers, you know, me and a secretary. 
And then, um, you know, Gwen is part-time, and we have another brother in, the, in England, Rick Oldland, who has been here, I believe, who's also part-time. Um, but most of it is just volunteerism. It's volunteerism of those who love the river, love the presence, and are um, wanting to carry this together around the world. And so I want to let you know that your pastors behind the scenes have, doing, have been doing a lot to really bring the river movement forward in the States. And increasingly, their stature in our network is growing. I'm just going to say it frankly. Can I just talk to you as a family? If you, if I, if you, because some of you kind of need to know this, that the stature of what Cameron and Kathy are doing uh, as far as connecting people, uh, helping with vision to move us forward, is essential for us. And I mean that very clearly. Um, as, as someone who's based in Toronto, I depend on certain people. And one of the people that I depend upon is Cameron. I really need Cameron to, um, to walk with me, to, uh, especially here in the States, to, to bring us forward. And so, having said all that, and that's not flattery, by the way. Okay, that's really true. I'm going to ask you to consider something when the offering time comes at the end of my two-hour message this morning. <laughs> if any of you are still here. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding, by the way. Um, and that is, Cameron needs to connect increasingly internationally with our, our, our network. And uh, we, twice a year in London, England, in a town called Hemel, it's a suburb of London, uh, but it's actually in London, England, we have a, a UK and Europe gathering where all our leaders from Europe, all our leaders from England, Scotland, Ireland, Northern Ireland, they all come together. And uh, actually partners, as, as odd as this may sound, we're stronger in the UK than any other country in the world. It's, it's, really, it's really amazing. And um, we need Cameron to be increasingly involved in the international input. And so I'm going to ask you if you would consider when the offering comes around um, at the end of my one and a half hour preaching. <laughs> see, it's getting better. Uh, that if, if uh, you would consider helping him the third week of April to get a plane ticket over to London. He'll, he won't miss a Sunday. He's only going to be gone for like five or six days. But just as the international coordinator, I want to let you know that we really need him. If you're able to kind of give a little extra to get him over on his plane ticket, or if this was my idea, yeah, this is absolutely my idea. And then we'll take care of his hotel, his meals, transportation, and, um, and the, uh, the, 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 the play uh, African Lion that he wants to see. In, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> London has great plays, but that's another, that's another time. So if you, if you would consider that, just as the international coordinator, I would ask you to just to pray about that. Um, but don't pray while I'm preaching. Listen while I'm preaching and then pray when the offering goes around. All right? Okay. I, 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 I love being here because every time I'm here, I need a miracle. And the reason I need a miracle is I need to preach within 25 minutes. And uh, this is, and, and so I just talked for 10, right. And so I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles, please, to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. I am actually going to this morning 
preach two different messages at the different services. I've, I've had two words on my heart, and uh, surprisingly enough, surprisingly enough, um, yeah, there's, there's, there, are, there are different people, but surprisingly enough, we have uh, these two different ministries, on two different messages on my heart. And uh, where's, there is a girl here from, um, from, uh, from Japan, is that right? Where's, where's she? There she is, yeah. Yeah, I was just in Tokyo on Monday, you know, just coming through. So I just, I just thought I'd mention that. Bless you. They were really, really kind people there. They, uh, they were very, I was the first time, I was only there for two hours. They were, I, was, I was very, very impressed with those people. Okay, let's pray. Lord, give us a miracle this morning. That in 24 minutes, we would get this word across. In Jesus' name. Arriba! Come Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, this first service, I'd like to share with you about the importance of ministering to the poor. Now, i got to admit that part of this was because I was just in Burma, where most pastors living or that we meet live in a bamboo hut. And we sat in um, a pastor's apartment, bamboo hut, where this area right here on the platform is where he studies, where he sleeps with his three children and his wife, where he has his kitchen, living room, and everything all stick, stuck together there. And But when you're with them, you feel the fire of God. And um, it just, again, has... Uh, just impress me about the the need to remind ourselves in a North American context about the importance of ministering to the poor yes. and how central this is to apostolic Christianity. Yes. The term apostolic is something, it's a term that has been used uh, a, a lot over the last 20 years. And I thank God for Peter Wagner and for Chuck Pierce and for others who have tried to bring that that term into being and we're, we're in, into our vocabulary of our of our 21st century church. And uh, admittedly, sometimes that has been misused. You know, guys who have uh, you know 40 people and two home groups put apostle on their business card, and and it's like, you know, what does that actually mean? And I think as a church and a broader church in North America, we're still discovering what it means to be apostolic. But we must say this, 1 Corinthians 12:28 says that God has appointed first in the church apostles. Okay. And leaving that, that at that and not expanding on it too much, um, the, the, the fact is God has called us as a body of Christ not just to be pastoral, not just to be teaching, but to, to be apostolic in nature. And there's many, many facets of being apostolic. You have to be sent. There is a recognized authority upon your life. There is recognized fruit in church planting. There has to be a measure of miracles. And um, there has to be also a measure of spiritual Holy Spirit encounters with the living God. 
um, because the, the, the apostles in the New Testament, including Paul and, and others, as we could, you know, if we wanted to study it, had encounters with the living Lord Jesus. Now, we can speak, speak a lot about that. But I say all that to say this, that one of the absolute necessary aspects of being apostolic is ministry to the poor. Without the foundation of ministry to the poor, we really cannot consider ourselves an apostolic movement or an apostolic church. Now, even in the um, New Testament, believe it or not, those early Christians, as they're recorded in Scripture, even though they had revival, they were not perfect people. There were there was debates, there was discussions, sometimes there was arguments. You can see in Acts 15 about the nature of the church, the doctrines of the church, who really was supposed to be evangelized. Because really for the first seven years, even those initial apostles in uh, Jerusalem still had a tendency to speak to the Jews only. And only in Acts chapter 11 did they break out to start speaking to the Gentiles. And uh, that became then a, 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 a kind of a change where the center of the church moved from Jerusalem into Antioch. But nevertheless, within the debates slash discussions slash arguments, and there were, Within the early church, there is one thing that all of the leaders agreed on. And we're going to see it here in Galatians chapter 2. Um, the one thing that they did not argue about was um, the, the, the aspect of ministry to the poor. It says here in, um, let's just start in verse 7. And this is Paul giving his testimony of how he visited Jerusalem. And there was a lot going on in that discussion. And part of it, again, was who's going to go to the circumcised? Who's going to go to the uncircumcised? Who's going to go to the Jews? Who's going to go to the heathen? But in verse 7 it says this, But on the contrary, when they saw that the gospel for this uncircumcised had been committed to me, as the gospel for the circumcised was to Peter... For he who worked effectively in Peter for the apostleship to the circumcised also worked effectively in me towards the Gentiles. And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circum circumcised. Now that was what the argument is. And I'm not going to get into the details of that because of time. But look at this verse in verse 10. They desired only that we should remember the poor. The very thing which I also was eager to do. And for those who have the Spirit-filled Bible edited by Jack Hayford, you would know that that word eager, there in your margin, means to make every effort. To exert yourself, to give diligence, to make haste, to be zealous, or to strain every nerve. That is a very, very strong word where it says to be eager. And again, the point is that as 
The church was being formed. This is still in the formation of the church, the nature of the church, what it's going to look like, and what are going to be the central tenets. Ministry to the poor was agreed on by both sides. That's kind of the point there. Everybody understood that if we're going to be followers of Jesus, the model that he gave was to minister to the poor. And so, Peter, James, John, all those guys that are based in Jerusalem, when they met Paul and Barnabas, these discussions, they said, okay, well, that's a given. If we're going to be followers of Christ, we're going to have to be eager. That is to make every effort to, to, to minister to the poor. And so let's take a look at what that, what that means kind of in, in, in practicality. Turn over to Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Just a few points about ministering to the poor. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is essentially connected to ministry to the poor. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is not just that we can get a television ministry or, um, you know, get a name that or a reputation he or she is anointed. The, the, the first aspect of the ministry, of the, of the result of being anointed according to the Lord Jesus in Luke chapter 4 verse 18 is this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Now, the very first effect, if we are really walking with the Holy Spirit, is to feel his passion and his uh, concern for the poor. One of the reasons being, and it's just one of the reasons, is we can see it over in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 15. If you look over there, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 15 says this. The rich man's wealth is his strong city. The destruction of the poor is their poverty. Another translation says it this way. That the poor get ruined because of their poverty. Lack of education. Lack of access to health. Lack of um, food. Lack of vitamins, all of the things that we take for granted in our, in our by, by the way, Christian-based society, and that's how we got the blessings that we got, is, but, but one of those things that is the ruin of the poor that they can't get out of is, is their poverty. And we, we cannot do a full study on the the seven, he, seven Hebrew words for the poor this morning. But I just want to let you know that there are different aspects of, of what the poor are defined as. One of the words for the poor is those who became poor because of an outside force inflicted upon them. Okay. There's another word for the poor that says because of foolishness that we've done, we make ourselves poor. Those are completely different words. And unfortunately, in the English, the, the difference is not clear. And so, you know, you kind of have to do the, um, 
the, uh, the word study in Hebrew. Another word in Proverbs for poor is, it simply means, it just means handicapped, actually. It means those who have been somehow, you know, handicapped in what way. But this particular verse is referring to um, those who became poor because of an outside force. Do you understand what I mean by that? You understand the difference. In other words, it was no fault of their own. You know, as an example, I lived in Ukraine and Russia for 12 years. And devastating poverty in a European country. It's a European country, but devastating poverty. What was the reason for it? Well, because of communism, atheism, um, that whole system, plus Christians themselves. If you confess Christ, you are not allowed to be promoted in university. You're not allowed to get a job. You're not allowed a position in society because you were a Christian. Therefore, your stature, your position in society was low, and you were made poor as a result of an outside force. And it, and it hurts people, friends. It hurts people. Proverbs 10, 15 says, it is their ruin. Let's not pretend, you know, that it, that it, it doesn't affect them. And so, Jesus said, if the Holy Spirit is upon me, if the Holy Spirit is upon us, then we are going to be moved by the Spirit and anointed to try to help the poor in some way or another. Arriba. And so, let's just go on to another point. In um, Deuteronomy 24, 19 to 21, it, it talks about when we glean our fields, our vineyards and our olive trees, we may only go over them once. Now, I don't have a field, I don't, and, and the last time I looked, I don't have an olive tree in my, in my backyard. And, um, but what the point of the, all this is about is that we're not supposed to be greedy in ourselves for every last penny that is in our possession. That's what that means. If I could just get that last olive off the tree, then I'll be satisfied. You know, as they went through the wheat field, as they went through the barley field, and I've been in Israel, as they went through the dates, the figs, the, the, the olive trees, you know, there was a few left over. And the Lord was indicating here, look, the stuff that is left over, leave it for the poor. Now, here's the interesting thing. So that they themselves could do the work to go and glean it for themselves. So it wasn't just an entitlement society. The Hebrew Jewish society was not an entitlement society. It because God so values labor and work. Now, again, there's two different Hebrew words. Labor is a Hebrew word um, that describes fruitful, happy work, basically. And under the blessing, we get to labor. Guess what? Adam and Eve worked in the Garden of Eden before the fall. So, work was not a result of the curse. They tended, they took care of the tree... You know, when you get up in the morning at 7 o'clock and you have to go to work and you start blaming Adam for all this, it's not his fault, okay? It's, it's God's idea that we have to get up and, 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 and work. Um, and so that's, again in Hebrew, it's godly labor. And godly labor is a blessing. 
There's another word that does refer to being under the curse, and it's the word toil. Toil is a result of the curse. Toil is when it becomes something that, you know, we're not passionate about. And I just want to let you know, and I really believe this, and is that, you know, God wants to give you the kind of work that you have a passion for. I really believe that. Arriba. And that doesn't mean that it doesn't mean you have to work at a car wash like I did when I was 15 years old and made a dollar sixty an hour, um, and 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 all those things and what what we've all been through. But there is labor that is blessed, and there is toil. But when we get blessed with the Abrahamic blessing, we come back into the blessing of labor. And and what Deuteronomy is indicating here is is that. Um, there's, there's labor intended even for the poor. Okay, let's, keep, let's just keep on going on. Uh, another point here. Old Testament prophets cried out God's judgment for oppressing the poor. Old Testament prophets cried out on a regular basis God's judgment for oppressing the poor. Amos 4.1 says this, and you may want to turn to this because I've always found this an interesting verse. Hear this word, you cows of Bashan. Now, sometimes we think that God won't call us names. Well, he's going to call the oppressors some names here. You cow. You cows of Bashan. You who are on the mountain of Samaria, who oppress the poor, who crush the needy. And so that there's an indication there that Amos, Isaiah, Jeremiah, all of them cried out against the, the oppression of the poor. And this, the Spirit of, of, of God is prophetic in... If, see, what we said is if we want to be apostolic, we have to help the poor. If we want to be prophetic, we have to help the poor. This is foundational, folks, to an apostolic and prophetic movement. Um, I just, as I mentioned, I just got back from, from, from Burma. How many have heard of Asan Suki? She's, you know, she's kind of like the female Nelson Mandela. Uh, back in 1988, her party was trying to bring democracy to a military dictatorship in Burma. And uh, Burma probably would have been not quite as closed but almost as close as North Korea at that time. And uh, her, she was thrown in jail, and her party and the aligned parties still won 94% of the vote. But they kept her in jail for 15 years on and off under house arrest. Now, they went out and they just, the, the military dictatorship uh, just kill, you know, killed, over the last 20 years, tens of thousands of people. And... It is a scary thing for me to be thinking of those guys if they have not repented to be standing before the Lord. Um, uh, and at the time, that military dictator had a big, big house in London, England. Yep, in the area called Wimbledon, where the tennis courts are. And yet, at the same time, he was you know, killing the people on the street and... They're just living hand to mouth. People are so skinny there. And, and it, you, you cannot help but be affected. And I want to I urge everyone here, 
in your lifetime, take a short-term missions trip to a third-world nation. In your lifetime, take a... And if you want to come with me to Burma sometime or to Ukraine or to wherever wherever we are, you know, one of the, the key aspects about our ministry is that, and I think one of the reasons that God is blessing us is because John Arnott and the leadership in Toronto have been pouring hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, into the poor. And it's, and it's one of the reasons that we, we, we've been blessed. Very quickly, just a few more points. Jesus so identified with the poor that he said ministering unto the poor is the same as ministering unto him. If you minister unto the poor, you're ministering unto me. Matthew 25, verse 40. And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. So he so identifies with the condition of the poor that ministering to them is as if we are ministering unto the Lord. Um, Ministry unto the poor must be done, and this is a little bit of a tricky one, in the name of the Lord. Not in the name of the UN. Now, this is a conviction, and it's just going to get you thinking of it. This is something that is a deep conviction in my heart, because I've seen this over 30 years of of ministry. And I'm, I'm glad for the United Way. God bless the United Way. I'm thankful for um, all the organizations that have made some kind of an effort to help the poor and the needy. But I want to let you know that Christians primarily need to find ways to give in the name of Jesus. So that it is clear that it comes through the church and that it comes in the name of the Lord Jesus and that he is concerned about their condition. It is not just the UN concerned about their condition or the State Department or the Foreign Affairs Office out of Canada. And I really have this conviction, friends. We should be giving in the name of the, of the Lord Jesus and finding vehicles, to whether it be the church or whether it be the, uh, some kind of ministry, to give so that it is Christian. He says, if you give in my name, and I, I have a, I, I believe that, that, that God wants us to give in his name. And that doesn't mean, you know, stop what you're doing, whatever, but, you know, Compassion International, when we do things in Jesus' name, um, we get the blessing. Mark 9.41 says this, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink in my name. Do you hear what he said here? Because you belong to Christ, assuredly I say to you, he will not lose his reward. The point is this. If we give in the name of the Lord, we get a reward for that. I want to exalt the name of Jesus. Sometimes we sing, oh, let's exalt his name. And it's great to exalt his name within the four walls here, but we can exalt his name when we give to the poor in the name of the Lord Jesus. We're making him famous. Jesus is concerned about you. His heart is for you. So, there you go, folks. That's, that's, you know, those are just some of the points. Apostolic Christianity. Um, and let's just look at one more. You know, the, we've been talking a lot over the last 20 years 
about the bride of Christ, I want you to let, I want to let you know the bride of Christ extends her hands to the poor. In Proverbs chapter 31, it talks about the, the honorable, virtuous wife, the honorable, virtuous woman. And it's a picture of the bride of Christ. And in Proverbs 31, verse 20, it says this. She extends her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hand to the needy. And so let's create apostolic and prophetic foundations in our movement that we are eager, eager, eager to remember the poor and the blessing of the Lord, the reward when we do it in his name will be upon us. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I understand this goes to this young man. Amen. Amen.